Amen. Good morning to those that are here physically with us. Good morning to those that are tuned in with us, watching online. I pray that for you, church is more than just, uh, you know, standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down, but uh, that you're experiencing the presence of the Lord. You know, whether that be through the, the warm smile of those greeting you at the door, or whether through the worship, or, or through the time of us sharing with one another. Uh, and church even happens after church. In other words, when I say amen at the end, uh, I pray that you hang around for a few minutes. We got, you know, some snacky stuff that you can enjoy, but more importantly, that you can enjoy the company of one another and maybe say hello to someone you've never said hello to. Amen. So, Father, as we move forward, I, I just pray that our hearts are open as, as uh, a couple of very special people share. Uh, I just pray your hand just be upon us during this time that we experience more of you in the next little while. In Jesus' name, amen. We're a church that supports missions both here locally as well as around the world. And so I have a, a friend I want to introduce, Jennifer Bliss. Come on up. Uh, she is known to many of you if you've been here any length of time. She's been a missionary that we've supported for over 20 years. I think yes. closer to 23 or 4 possibly, right? Yes. I, I, we actually should look back and actually then I can tell you exactly. Let's just put it this way. A really, really long time. Yes. And uh, <laughs> she has been an amazing individual representing us over in Europe. And she's going to talk about that. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, She's in a time of transition right now. It's a good kind of transition, but you want to maybe share, kind of go backwards a little, then yes. go forwards, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so I do know many of you, but maybe uh, for those who haven't met me before, I've been serving in the country of Bosnia-Herzegovina, which is in Europe, across the way from Italy, uh, for uh, about 20 years, and I've been involved with kids' ministry. Uh, I, we do give out the Samaritan for shoeboxes, uh, so, and that really opens up the op uh, the doors for future min uh, um, further ministry. So keep giving those shoeboxes. Keep praying um, for those kids that you are, they're going to receive those shoeboxes. Um, we have women's ministry. I work with a small church. Um, most of the churches are small there still, uh, but. God is at work there, and we just keep continuing to pray, to reach out, and, and believe that God is going to uh, work even in a greater way. Uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina was involved with a, a civil war in the 1990s, and is still recovering from that war. And there's a political chaos and everything, but God is at work. God is on the throne, and so we continue to go forth. Um, and for the past couple years, uh, you've continued to support me as I've gotten further training at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. They have a university there, and I had been involved in media, some media uh, before, and felt like I needed to get some more training in that. So I went there, I just... Um, Got media training, how to tell the story, how to work on, on sound and video. Uh, also got to be in the prayer room, uh, which is they have been um, having prayer 24 hours a day, seven days a week for over 24 years, and praying for the nations, praying for God's work in the, in the world. And I was a, a privilege to be a part of that. Um, I just graduated in May with a two-year media degree, and now I am... <clears throat> I'm planning to go back to Bosnia and uh, on October 25th to bring uh, what I've learned, to put it in practice. I want to do um, 
testimonies of people. We're going to video uh, testimonies, do some more social media, uh, have some YouTube channels, and so get the word out uh, out to the people of Bosnia Herzegovina. Yeah. And um, I'm just excited about this. Also learned a lot about prayer while I was there, and and just how prayer can be so enjoyable, and how you can sustain mm -hmm. it throughout the years. So I'm excited about bringing those things back. You continue to pray for the church. Also, I, I, I do, I, I got a um, camera and a lens that I'm going to take back, and I'm, I'm hoping to get some more media equipment uh, to take back with me so that we have some more uh, modern equipment than we have right, right now. Uh, continue to pray for the church. We're still, you, you may have heard me every time I've come here saying that we're like trying to buy a a, a space for the church. Uh, we still are. We have some money, and now it's just difficult to find a place that has a clear deed because of uh, people leaving during the war and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm. So pray for wisdom uh, for my pastor and for the elders of the church in that, um, and just uh, continue to, to lift up this country that has about 0.1% uh, of believers in a country of about 4 million. So God's, there's still a lot of work to do, but God is at work, and uh, we believe as we continue to pray and reach out that he is going to change this country. Amen. Well, let's take a moment and pray for Jennifer as she goes as, as our representative in that part of the world. Amen. So just reach your hands out. Father, we thank you for Jennifer. And Lord, that she's willing to go and she's served faithfully there for years. And Lord, I appreciate and applaud the fact that she wanted to, in a sense, retool and upgrade so that, so that she could be more effective in being able to share the gospel in that part of the world. So Lord, as she's been faithful to, to get ready, I pray that you'd be faithful to enable her, empower her to do what she needs to do as she goes back to the mission field. So bless her, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Thank you. And so, Jennifer, we've been supporting her monthly for... 20 plus years. So if you're a giver here at Reach Out Church, then you have been supporting her. But what we want to let you know is that, uh, you know, whenever there's a, a change, right, you know, here she is going back at transition time, that costs money. And so you've know, got transportation, uh, you know, a place to live, all that. Prices have gone up. All those things are going on. So if you'd like to support her, a couple ways to do it. Envelopes in front of you. If you put something in there, you can just put Jen on the outside. We know where it's going to go then. Uh, you can give online through our app. You hit the giving thing and the menu drops down and you'll see Jennifer Bliss's name. You can give that way as well. And if you can't figure out any of that, just find one of the pastors, give them your money, and say, give this to Jen, and, and that'll happen, all right? Listen, we'll, we'll take it any way we can to be a blessing to her, and every penny will go towards that. Amen. I want to take a moment before I introduce another person that we're going to be sharing, she's going to be sharing, and I want to share a scripture with you, and it's, it's found in Timothy, Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 12, and they'll put it up, and it talks about this, fighting the good fight of faith. Hopefully they can find it. Oh, is it there? Is it there? Is it there? There it is. There it is. Uh, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And as I look at that scripture, you know, the word fight, you know, you get the idea, well, you know, you're fighting to, to see God's kingdom come. You're fighting for this and that. That's not what that word fight means there. You know, this is not a fight in a battlefield. The word fight is actually taken from the athletic field. So instead of the battlefield, it's from the athletic field. And actually, it, the original word in the Greek starts out agonizo. 
It's actually, that's the root of it. So you know, you know when you're in agony, in other words, you're running and running and running and your lungs are, are pumping and it's like, ah, oh, and your legs are hurting and you're, like, you're in agony. Well, literally, that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about here. In other words, agonize towards the good fight of faith. In other words, it's going to be hard, but you can do it. You see, here's why. Jesus has won the fight on the cross of Calvary. He won the battle. There's no more battle anymore. Not, not that kind of fight, but there's still a fight. There's still the race that we need to run in an athletic kind of way. The idea is that we're running towards what God has for us. And that's what this scripture talks about. But then it goes on and says, take hold of eternal life. In other words, that needs to be our focus. Our fight isn't for the things of this world, but for eternity and eternal life and all that God has for us. And then it goes on and it says this, that you, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, we're, we need to talk about this good fight of faith. We need to share this with one another. Why? Because it encourages us. Because maybe we haven't quite won in a part in our life. But someone else here has. And they can say, look it, keep up the good fight. Keep going. Grab hold of eternal life. You will get there. Amen? And so we need that encouragement once in a while. And so that is why I'm asking Veronica Sarles to come up. She's going to sit here and we're going to talk together for a little bit. She has been in the fight of faith. Amen? And she's going to talk about some of those things that have happened in her life and hopefully encourage you and me in our walk. Amen? And so, we've done this already once this morning. We, we had a wonderful time. Am and I, I think, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, they even got that fixed. This, the second time through, we got it fixed. But uh, our guys in the sound booth, we pick on them a lot. But our media wow. and sound people, they're doing a lot of stuff back there. So I just want to, you know, I, just a bit of a, a shout out to those guys uh, working behind the scenes. They do work really hard. And I know I'm hard on, I'm a tough boss and I know that. And so I apologize, but I probably won't change much. Sorry about that. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, Veronica, we're going to get somewhere. But before we get there, I think it's important for us to talk about kind of your beginnings. Uh, you know, you weren't always this bright, cheery Christian that we see today. Uh, you know, life has happened to you as it's happened to a lot of people. Let's go back kind of to the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Um, okay, so let me start by saying um, generational trauma is a real thing. Um, so I was born, I had, both of my parents have since passed, um, and they had five children. And... You know, they had their own baggage that came with them when they entered this relationship together. They met at a very young age. Um, so they had some general, generational trauma of their own. And then when my dad um, got injured, I was, before I was born, um, in an injury, back injury, he ended up on Social Security, but um, he became a drinker. Mm. Um, he was not a funny drinker. I know some people can drink and they're kind of, ha-ha, that was not my father. Um, so... There was a lot of domestic violence. Um, I could tell you the back way to Grace Smith House by the time I was seven or eight years old. Um, and again, I love my father and I love my mother and things have ch changed over the years before they passed. This is just my beginning, my story. Um, so there was a lot of money problems. Obviously, my dad didn't work. My mom was a waitress to take care of five kids. She waited a lot at tables. Um, we were homeless quite a few times. I remember there was a time that we, um, we squatted in homes that weren't rented or owned by us. Um, we were allowed to bring one black garbage bag with our personal items. As long as we could carry it, we could keep it. I've said goodbye to many a family pet because they do not fit in black bags. 
Um, mm. So it was not easy um, by any stretch of the means. So I was a scrappy kid. I used to like to fight with people. I had tattoos and smoked a lot of marijuana by the time I was 14. Never lived at home very long. I couch surf, stay with aunts and uncles. Um, not that their situation was necessarily any better, um, but it wasn't my drama, mm -hmm. so I kind of felt twice removed from it. Some of those um, absences, I think, um, ultimately might have saved my life, but obviously, fast forward, end of the story, it's God, but um, I, won't, I won't steal the ending from you. Mm. So it was, it was rough. Um, yeah. I quit school when I was 15, uh, freshman year of high school. Um, I was an intelligent person, um, very book smart, so I was 17, I walked into a GED center, I took the test, and I scored nearly perfect. So there are going to be many times through my life story where I kind of blamed God for that too. I wanted to go to college. I was accepted at um, some very prestigious places when I applied as an adult. Wasn't meant to be for me, and I have no regrets, mm -hmm. so I just want to say that up front. Um, I believe all of my trials and tribulations were designed to make me who I am. And I also believe that choice is in there, right? We have free will. Yeah. My parents had free will. You know, the, the people that ignored our trials had free will. Um, so I know now that, that that wasn't of God, but it was hard. It was really hard. So in those early years, essentially, Jesus wasn't part of the equation really at all. So obviously, you're sitting in a church, so something yeah. must have happened. Uh, what was your introduction to the Lord and, and to, to God in general? This is actually kind of a funny story. Um, let me start by saying when I was a little girl, um, my grandmother, God rest her soul, was um, a very religious person and a loving person. She gave the best hugs. Um, so occasionally you were honored to spend the night at her house on a Saturday and you were able to go to church with her on Sunday. And what I loved about it is we always went to like the Everready Diner and you got to meet all her friends and have breakfast. Now for a poor kid who couldn't really scrounge up their Sunday best because clothing was, you know, not as easily found as you would hope, um, it was always a joy because it was, we were eating out and I was a young lady and I was surrounded by these other women and so that was fun but it was wasn't about God to me, right? It was about spending the night at my grandmother's house. So then when I was 14, um, it was one of those times I wasn't living at home. I pushed back on my parents so bad. Um, I just, I won't get into the story, but yeah, I, I spent a lot of time away from home. So when I was 14, I was staying with a friend of my parents, um, babysitting for them for the summer just to get out of the house, and um, it was at a local trailer park. And I encountered a very angry 15-year-old boy. Um, yeah, he knows who he is. He hears a giggling, that's him. So I was 14, he was 15, um, and he was a violent kid. Like, he was just full of anger. He'd punch walls, and all the kids in the trailer park were intimidated by him. But I wasn't, and I, I had no... <laughs> I had been abused. I had been the victim of pedophilia. I have been through so much that at that point, I was like, you know, bring it, kid. You know, I'll fight you. Um, I had no self-preservation at that point. It really didn't matter what happened to me. And um, I understood anger. So I saw him on a level I think the other kids didn't. So fast forward 36 years. I'm going to try not to age myself. He is still my closest and oldest, dearest friend. Um, well, George met a guy. Um, I now know him as Jesus Christ. Well, George met him years before me. And I saw his life change. Um, I saw him forgive people um, that had not been in his life, you know, parental people, and 
um, his patience, his kindness, um, his love of the world. I mean, I tear up just thinking about it because his life just changed so much. And, and it wasn't perfect by any means. You know, his grandmother was raising him. He didn't hear from his mom. Like, his life was not perfect, but he had, like, this inner peace that um, just attracted me. I felt like if I, if I stuck with this friendship, that light was just going to kind of encompass me too, right? Like, I was going to get it by second generation or something. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, at that point, you know, within a year, a few years of that, you actually came to church here. I came here for plenty of years, actually. Um, I ended up getting married to my childhood sweetheart, and um, I met him when I was 15, and he was 17, and he was a, a son of a single mom. So I actually intentionally chose to date this guy. I was dating a 22-year-old. I had a problem with int intimacy because of the pedophilia. So um, I chose my current husband of 30 years because he was of a single mom, and I knew that he would be an intentional father, and that was going to be super important to me. Because of, you know, my past and how I grew up, I wanted a, a strong, moral person to raise mm -hmm. my kids. So um, we got married, um, and I miscarried uh, multiple times. I've been pregnant six times. I only have two beautiful daughters. And in, before I had my oldest daughter, by the second miscarriage, I felt... Once again, this is before God. I had sisters that had babies at 15 that they couldn't afford, that they couldn't take care of. Um, mm. Some of them. Some of them did. And this is, again, not a judgy thing. This is just how I saw the situation. And I thought, I suck at this too, right? I'm not enough, whether it be for my parents or my friends mm. or whomever. Now I'm not good enough to be a parent. Mm. And I had people speaking over me, you know, if, if God wants you to be a mom, then it will happen naturally. And then um, I got pregnant. I lived in North Carolina. My husband was in the military. And um, I, I went to a hospital right away. I took the pregnancy test, and I was like, I'm not waiting. I cannot do this again. And I, I met a, a doctor who immediately knew from the symptoms and the signs and what I was talking about what she needed to do to save this baby. And, um, and she did. I had to take a bunch of injections, and maybe it wasn't natural to some people, but I felt like God led me to that woman. And I had my, what I call, miracle baby. Yep. Changed my life as far as my direction in life, right? I still didn't necessarily know God, but I felt like um, all, the, all the years of watching George and the trials and tribulations I had been through, every time we would get together, George would, you know, encourage me. He'd be mm -hmm. like, you know, I, I know a guy, you know. I'm not that guy. I can't help you, but I know a guy. And he really, really wanted me to know Jesus Christ, to make things easier, um, and so that I wasn't alone. But I didn't need his guy. Like, I've been through so much at this point, I got this covered. Um, nothing really can phase me or hurt me as much as it has in my life before, because I'm tough, right? I've been through a lot. But George was constant with his guy. He tried to introduce me to his guy over and over and over. <laughs> like, he was like, best mechanic, best furnace guy, whatever. He was, he's the, he's the guy. So I started coming to church because I felt like it was like a bargain with God, right? Like he gave me this beautiful baby, and then I was blessed. I had another loss, but then I was blessed with another little baby. And I felt like um, I'm going to start hanging out where this guy hangs out, where he lives, right? Because then maybe I'm going to meet him by happenstance because we're going to be in the same room. So I come here. I brought my kids. I used to read Bible stories to my daughter. She loved God long before I recognized him for who he was. 
And um, to this day, that is such a blessing for me. And I'd do the nursery, and I'd look around, and there were a lot of you folks here that were so at peace, like my friend George. You had this inner joy um, that I was so in awe of, but I didn't feel it. Mm. I, I, didn't, I didn't know where it came from. I didn't know if people were faking it or if you know, I was in the wrong church, in the wrong seat. Was I not worthy? Mm. Um, my marriage started to fall apart. And I'm sure this has happened to a lot of people. You get caught up in the raising of young kids, even ones that you tried so hard to have, that you start to you know, kind of poke at your partner like the bad guy, right? Like, you're off doing this thing, so I'm stuck doing this thing, yeah. right? So now they've become like your enemy instead of yeah. your partner, you know? And, and that's kind of where we got. So I said to myself, why am I going to church? My life is no better, right? I'm, as far as I don't, have, I don't have a nice big house. I don't have lots of money. I don't have a great marriage. I, I'm not this, you know, great person. Yep. So where's the benefit? You know, if I'm going to be in the grind of working six days a week, I could use those couple of hours on Sunday to get a million other things done. So I got mad at God and decided I'd leave. How'd that work out for you? Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. Nothing got better. I, I felt more alone than ever before because... Now I wasn't surrounded by everyone else's kind of joy where I felt like by at least being in the same place, I could kind of milk off of people in the environment. Um, I made a lot of terrible choices in my absence from, from church. Um, yeah, I, I nearly destroyed my family. Um, so yeah, it was bad. Obviously, something happened because here we are in church. Yeah. Uh, so what happened? Um, well... I don't want to put this plainly because it's anything but plain. I started coming back to church uh, shortly before my mom died. My sister and my aunt were coming regularly, and I would see the Facebook posts and stuff. And at that point, I, I had let go of so many relationships, and my aunt was one of them. And um, I would see them on Facebook, and I missed Reach Out. There was something about it that felt like home to me. Uh, there are a lot of churches in the world, but I truly believe God calls you to be in the building that best suited for what you can do to glorify him. And um, so I'd see their pictures, their Sunday service outside with their sunglasses. And, you know, just, I just, I felt the calling to, to try this again, you know, to, I committed to say, you know what, I'm going to go and I don't know, maybe this time will be different. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be able to figure out what I'm doing wrong. Mm. And then my mom died. And um, I sat back there my aunt and my sister and my family, where I sit now, was there, and I, I sat there by myself, and I, I cried. I cried the entire service. I don't, I don't think I heard a, a single gospel worship, worship song that came out of anybody's mouth. I think I just, mm. I cried through it all. But I think it's because I, I let myself feel. I told God, I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going to sit in your house. Do your worst. <laughs> I've been through so much already. I have nothing left to lose. Mm. So I cried every Sunday for months. Um, and I felt like even outside of church, I would burst out crying all the time. I mean, my family can tell you I, I was no good for a long time. But it wasn't a bad cry. And I just want to encourage you with that. It was mm. like this kind of cry where every emotion I had ever felt in my life, whether it be joy or anger or miracle, whatever, everything was like vomiting out of my body. Mm. And um, I always thought that when Jesus came to live inside of you, that 
you would have to make yourself smaller to make room for God. And listen, when you're a kid, coming from where I came from, you don't want any part of somebody who wants to make you smaller than you already are. So I sat there and I said, you know what, God? I'll give something up again. I'll sacrifice something. I'll make myself smaller if you'll just come live inside me. And guess what? He doesn't make you smaller. He just circles around you. It's like, a, um, it's like you've been dipped in something, right? Like a baby in utero, you know, surrounded by mm, life. That's, good. that's what it was like for me. It's amazing. So you had your born-again moment. I did. It, right what a church. holy moment. And then, you know, there's a scripture that speaks to this in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. The, the, the new, new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And as I think about that scripture, and you see it up on the board there, uh, that new doesn't necessarily mean your circumstances are changing on the outside. Uh, it doesn't really mean any of that at all. It means something happened on the inside. Amen. And really, that's what you're talking about. Now, eventually, it does permeate to the outside. It does. And things change. It but it begins on the inside. So what began to happen then? You know, in a sense, you surrendered to Jesus. So how did this now it's, work to the outside? Um, for those of you who are my age, um, it's kind of like when you go to the eye doctors at like 50, and you're like, no, 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 I can see just fine. And then they put the lens down, and you're like, holy crap, I was blind. <laughs> like... You, you avoided it for so long because you were like, I'm good, right? That was Jesus for me. It was like suddenly there was a clear lens yeah. and um, it didn't happen overnight, okay? And my life is not perfect by any means. Um, but I'm still a work in progress, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. I see things and people, circumstance differently. That's good. Now I am slow to anger. Yeah. I am quick for joy. I have more patience and kindness and empathy than I've ever had. Mm. I have no regret or shame about anything that has either been done to me or by me um, because I truly am born again. That's good. And it's almost like the Bible with the Old Testament, right? And then there's Jesus and then the New Testament. And that's what happened to my life. I feel like the Old Testament was God was there. Yep. Um, but I just saw the, the anger and the punishment and the, all these things. It was like, I, if you don't understand the Bible, which I didn't for a very, very long time, and you start in the Old Testament, let me tell you, you do not want to meet the guy because you're like, wow, this, there's some stuff in there that makes me scared, you know? Um, but if you start in the New Testament and you get that, that curiosity seed that says, wow, this is an amazing yeah, person. How do, I, how do I follow this person? Then the Old Testament starts to make sense, right? Because it's all about the historical, what happened before and how God tried to get our attention. But So now I'm at that after God part and it's like the New Testament for me because it's not, it's not that life doesn't happen. It's not that people don't still have free will and it's not that horrible things haven't happened. I have lost my dad, my cousin, a nephew. Like there's been loss, but I still glorify God. And because you're not, you're not alone anymore. I'm not alone. Yeah. I don't live inside here by myself anymore. There is not a thing that this world or its occupants can throw at me that I don't have protection from, that I don't have this inner joy or peace that says, what is the worst thing that can happen to me? I go to the streets of gold. I go see God in person. 
Sign me up. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So listen, there's going to be some people here that are listening to you, and they may be only part way on their spiritual journey. In other words, they're still dealing with guilt, regret, sure. shame, smallness, all yeah. the things you've talked about. What would you say to them? And there's people watching online as well. What would you say to encourage them? I would, um, you know how when you're a parent and you tell your kids, I don't want you to do this and here's why. Here was my experience with it. I'm going to kind of do that to you and I know you're not children. Um, this church is filled with what I now call translators. So when I came to church, it was like everyone's speaking Spanish and I don't understand the language, right? But I had a church full of translators that I didn't use. There were elders and pastors and, and fellow Christians who would have gladly have spoken a word over me or mm. embraced me or, or to make me feel like I wasn't alone. But I didn't know how to do that connection to them. I didn't know. I thought I was an outsider. You didn't you know? know how to ask for help. I didn't. I really didn't. Because sometimes you don't have the words. Mm. You just know that you feel despair and mm. lost and you're just all of these emotions that you can't possibly put into words. So you'd come in, you sit down, and then you leave. So my, my encouragement to you is that hospitality out there is not just for the bacon and eggs, even though we make some really good bacon and eggs. Um, it's about making the connections. Speak to somebody you've never spoken to before. Strike up a conversation. Find out how you can help somebody. Usually by helping other people, you open your heart so that God can now reach you. Yeah. When I hit my knees in this church with nothing left to lose, I wonder now... There were so many people here that were willing to help me. I didn't, I didn't think I was worthy of that. Mm. I, I thought, God's not going to fix this. Well, it's not about God making it so that you never have a bad trial or tribulation. It's about making sure that you're never, ever going to have another one where you're by yourself. Amen. Yeah. And isn't that worth the awkwardness or the embarrassment of just walking up to one of us who love you, by the way, and saying, my heart hurts. Can you pray with me? Yeah. That's it. Amen. It's good. You know, in a, in a few weeks, we're going to be doing a local outreach. You yes. know, with Jennifer Bliss, we're talking about international outreach. But right here in Hyde Park, we're going to be doing an outreach. Yeah. Uh, why is this so personal for you? Because I, I know it is. It is. It's very personal. So there are some um, hotels in Hyde Park that are housing immigrants and displaced families. Um, and I'm on a lot of social media pages for Hyde Park, like Hyde Park Neighbors, you know, Neighbors Helping Neighbors. And there was some horrible things that I read about, you know, our motels now have these junkies in them and these illegal aliens and they're bringing down property value and you making garbage. It's just horrible stuff, right? And when I hear illegal alien, I just want to scream because I didn't realize they came from Mars. Um, they're human beings um, who had the misfortune to be birthed somewhere other than America um, through no fault of their own, right? Yeah. Um, and this displaced family thing, I mean, how many of you know at least 10 people that are one paycheck away from losing everything, yeah. right? I bet, I bet you can name several. Yep. So at the same time that I'm getting this in my heart from God that this is our town, our backyard, instead of, instead of asking myself, you know, can I spare a few more hours for hospitality? How about stepping out in my neighborhood? At the same time, the church is getting that same message from God. Mm. Um, so I was at class, and you know, Pastor John had let me know that you and him were wanting to do a local yeah. outreach, and it was like match made in heaven because God is moving in this. So we're going to be going to the two motels that we have confirmed have immigrants and displaced families, 
and on October 28th, which is Saturday, we're going to be giving a hot meal and making bags of like hygienic stuff, you know, personal items. And we're going to be giving out bags of candy for all the kids because it's really close to Halloween. And these kids, they remind me of me, you know, like it doesn't always have to be this way. This is not your final destination. Um, Jesus loves you. We love you. Um, you have, a, you have a community here. Um, so it's personal because this, one of those motels houses my sister and my brother-in-law and mm. my niece. Um, so I can tell you firsthand that while they have their own trials and tribulations, they're human beings and they need, they need to know that they are loved. Amen. That's good. And so how can people help? There's a couple different ways. How, How can they participate if they want to? There, God has placed in my heart that this, this outreach is, there are people in this church, I know there is because I was one of them, who don't know how to connect, don't know how to get out and do community service. Um, they don't necessarily want to commit to children's ministry or hospitality or any of the areas that we encourage you to plug in. Maybe they're just overwhelmed with that would be too big of a commitment, whatever the reason. Mm. This outreach is something that is a short-term commitment. Mm. It's real people in your town. And I promise you, if you help somebody you will see the love of God in that, in that transaction. That's good. So you can help by either signing up on the app to come do the outreach with us, um, and all, only requirement... Or, or on the Connect cards. Right, or on the Connect cards. The only requirement is that you love people. That's it, just love people. You don't have to have any ministry training or anything you know, crazy there. There's a box out front, a very big box, because I am believing for it to be filled, um, <laughs> where we're going to take items, toothpaste, toothbrushes, Things that the the government will give food stamps or an EBT card to people that are less fortunate, but it doesn't cover anything that's considered a a non-food item. So this is where we feel like as a church we can better assist them is to give them things that they can't get somewhere else. And those lists are out on on the shelf. There's a list you can grab and see that. Absolutely. Um, And then there's also, you know, you can donate monetarily through the church app um, for that so that if there's anything that we're short with, we can kind of provide it. We're going to be serving hot meals that has a cost associated with it. Mm. Um, we're going to be putting together those hygienic bags after church the Sunday before, which I believe is the 22nd. Um, right? I did my math Sounds right? Good. So it, you can join us there for a couple of hours, put things together, and you know, pray over the bags with us. It's awesome. You know, we're going to be closing here in a few moments. Can you take a minute and just pray for those that maybe are again on that spiritual journey, haven't got there yet, and maybe are struggling with their faith on the inside? Absolutely. Father God, I just want to ask, I just want to agree with you. Um, Yes, Lord. You love us, God, in such an amazing way. I would ask that you encourage all of your children here in church today and those online to ask themselves, you know, how can you help? Please, just... Just ask them that one question, God, to tell themselves, how can I help? Even if you're struggling with your own faith, how can I help? And it's such a small thing to ask, but if you get involved, if you start to minister to other people, if you start to hear not just stories, but you see lives changed, you are sowing seeds and those seeds are blossoming within you. I ask God that you not it's so hard to not take away someone's doubt or crisis of faith, but God, you're, you're all powerful. 
I ask that you put someone in their path, Lord, that, that can speak over them and speak into their yes. life and just give them that, that small piece of encouragement that says you don't have to be perfect. Come as you are. There's no judgment in any house of the Lord. Come as you are and just be brave enough to say, my heart hurts. Can you help me? And God, I know at that moment is when you are going to come in and you are going to put them to their knees in a way that opens up their mind, their heart, their emotion, and you are going to flood them, Lord, and their life is going to be forever changed. Yes. Because you, you God, you are the most all-powerful and you just want to love on us, God. So I pray, anyone having a crisis of faith, please let yourself be loved by God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for opening your heart up to us this morning. Thank you for hearing us. Let's stand together. We're going to pray and close. Father, I thank you for every person here. And Lord, I don't believe in accidents. I believe in divine appointments, whether they're physically here or or watching online. That Lord God, there's a reason why they were tuned in. And so, Father, I pray that each one uh, would receive what seed you had for them. Uh, It might have been a word, a phrase, a part of a song. You know, whatever it was, Lord God, that they would be encouraged in their spiritual journey with you. And Lord, if there's anyone here that hasn't made that personal commitment to you, that even at this very moment, they would just say, Lord, I need you. And accept Jesus into their hearts. So, Father, right now, we commit this week to you. I pray that we can be lights in this dark world, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning.